I'm Lisa Abna Osei, first year PhD student in the English department. Hi, I'm Abigail Vasquez Rosario. I'm a third year PhD student in the communication department. And I'm Tegan Murphy. I'm a fourth year PhD student in the sociology department. And we are all here today to talk about Black Skin, White Masks by France Fanon. And so I actually wanted to get our conversation started by um, asking you, Lisa, a question about what you brought up in class the other day, um, that when you got to the end of the book and France Fanon talked about um, not wanting or asking for reparations that like you wanted to like throw the book at the wall and I guess I was curious if this felt like a conclusion that was in conflict with what the rest of the book had to say or something that kind of went along with everything in the book and like it was just kind of the whole like synthesis of the book was something that you found frustrating or just kind of where you were when you did reach that end like that conclusion chapter i think for me the end where he he says that he has no right to ask for reparations was in equal parts surprising and not surprising but i I'll talk about the surprising first. I felt like he was able to diagnose so well the effects of colonialism on the psychology of the Black man, on the identity of the Black man. So naturally, I thought, how or what would he prescribe as a remedy for this? And I thought naturally he could say that, okay, because... Um, we have been affected so much by colonialism, by racism. This is what could be done to salvage the situation, or this is what could be done to help the the black man deal with everything that's going on. So when he says that he's not going to ask for reparations and he's going to live like a French man, I found that like a betrayal, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like you found all of this basis and all of all of um all of this concrete evidence well based on his his patients or whatever but it still felt like hmm you're being dishonest in not saying that in saying that you don't want reparations for the black man i mean we've been through so much in um in one session of the book he mentions how the black man is essentially a zombie and how would you want to save this zombie if not to like find a way to apologize right apologize to him so that he he sort of gets his mind back I think that's where I was at but in the end it wasn't that surprising too because I realized that throughout Fanon is really um attached to being French and living his life as French. So it sort of felt like, okay, he didn't want to offend sort of. That's how I felt that he asking for reparations would also be in a way asking reparations from himself as well because he's living as a French person. So that's where I was at. That's, I, it was just the betrayal of speaking it out i think if i got the impression or if it was implied i would have been okay with it but he actually speaking it out was very 
jarring for me. Mm. Yeah, Abby, did you have any kind of thoughts about that conclusion chapter? Yeah, I, to me, just reading it, um, I, I guess I had like a visceral re- reaction. Like mm-hmm. it was like, it was, the language was just so, I, I don't know if it's like poignant, um, but I wasn't expecting him to say that, or at least in that manner, because um, Lisa, like you said, he's going throughout this whole book talking about his experiences as a black man um and then his experiences as a black man um in France and then to end it on that note mm-hmm. I was um I guess I was disappointed but after we talked in class um that's when I feel like we took more notice of some contradictions along the book and we were talking about this um briefly but essentially it's I feel like he's kind of grappling with, um, you know, you, to some extent, like, you want to speak out against colonialism, but, um, you know, if you're presented an opportunity to study, like, in the colony or, like, with resources, um, you kind of have to, like, grapple with how do you call out something that, and I'm not saying colonialism is good by any means, but where, um, Again, you do have some sort of attachment to France, um, but I, I didn't particularly enjoy the ending. Um, and one part that was also in the ending that really stood out to me was um, where it says on page two hundred four, "I'm not a prisoner of history. I must I must not look for the meaning of my destiny in that direction." Mm-hmm. Um, and to me that that also was hard for me to um read because i feel like um there's been so much gatekeeping with you know actual history and the violence that happens um in the caribbean mm-hmm. and so for example for us to uh learn about it in this critical caribbean class or to have I I don't want to say the privilege, but the opportunity to listen to people's stories and hear histories, whether that's oral histories passed down through your own own families or experiencing colonialism yourself. Um, You know, how can you really create a better world or an anti-Black, anti-racist world if you're not looking at history? Because if you don't, then it's bound to repeat repeat itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, so I feel like that like confrontation that like a lot of people feel reading the conclusion makes a lot of sense um i i kind of think of the last chapter a little differently and in a way that i think does align cohesively with everything that's brought up throughout um the rest of the book i feel like fanon doesn't seek reparations i I feel like that um kind of line that he doesn't have the right to reparations has been interpreted almost as though he says all of these things about anti-blackness and then is just like giving up on asking for something better um but i i don't interpret it that way i feel like he doesn't seek reparations because he wants something so far beyond reparations that it renders the prospect of them essentially obsolete um 
I feel like reparations is a very specific um like I I I don't think of reparations as just a general bringing about of like equality and undoing of anti-blackness. Reparations is referring to a pretty specific um kind of uh ask of some sort of material wealth whether that's money or land or something else um from the government to be given to um black people and then there are different theories to talk about like how are we going to define black people when it actually comes to uh, redistributing wealth um but it's a very specific ask and i think that um it's an ask that to fanon uh grants legitimacy and upholds the system and the powers that be by being engaged in a sort of negotiation um even if there is like this great like um redistribution of resources um it still means that you are legitimizing the government that gives those resources to you you are asking them for the favor in a way of being acknowledged and being given um an apology through the form of um material redistribution and um i think that this idea i i think it's clear that fanon isn't just giving up in kind of what he did towards like later in his life and towards the end of his life in actually like going to Algeria to be a part of like that like liberation war front and like um like I did a bit of reading about like what he was involved in towards the end of his life and like and like it said he was literally like training guerrillas on the ground on like warfare tactics and I feel like Fanon is not interested in asking for reparations and is disappointed in the ask for reparations because he's interested in instead really like quite literally just like taking up arms and taking like what is yours um and um having a complete undoing and abolition and the taking up arms is like a bit more tangible for me to express but like as we discussed in class um total abolition I can't I I can't quite conceive of that and I feel like Fanon could not quite conceive of that um but he knew that he was not interested in these like in the meantime tactics of um which like reparations would be an example of that and I have more thoughts about that but I'll stop for now no I I get that um <clears throat> I also I get that he wants something higher, but to me, to get to something higher, you have to start smaller. Mm -hmm. It's like a step, right? You don't just ignore all those steps and just jump to mm -hmm. something higher, right? So by asking for reparations, then you're like, okay, there's an acknowledgement of a wrongdoing there. That is what, that is what to me, reparation starts from. Right, the acknowledgement of the wrongdoing and the apology that comes from it. So I just wanted him to acknowledge that. I get that he wants something high, okay. But before 
we get there, this is the step that I wanted him to take. And I think of this as a, a recent, in light of a recent example that happened, the British Museum decided to return some artifacts that they stole from mm -hmm. Ghana. They decided to return it. Mm -hmm. Well, not they, they said they were loaning it back to us. Mm -hmm. But even that idea of loaning it back to us gave a lot of people like some, what's the word? I don't want to say mm -hmm. happiness, but it just brought a lot of validation mm -hmm. to a lot of Ghanaians that, okay, mm -hmm. there's an acknowledgement that you stole something mm -hmm. and you're bringing it back. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's like one step, mm -hmm. right? To acknowledge that, okay, the museum says, we're giving you back your your gold. We admit that it was wrong. We took that from you. We're bringing it back. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways that I was thinking about reparations mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you for bringing that up, uh, both of you. I think um, looking at this again, um, just reading it, I think what, what struck me was um have i have not the right to confine myself in a world of retroactive reparations mm -hmm. and so not just like you know i don't have a right to ask for reparations but the word retroactive stood out to me because um you know lisa like you said there's the acknowledgement is the bare minimum mm -hmm. um and um to me um, what I had trouble with reading that is that, you know, these colonies are still in place and they're still, um, you know, extracting from these people. And, um, so there, there, in my opinion, I do think there still needs to be reparations and there does need to be at least an acknowledgement or I don't want to say apology because I feel like, you know, it's been happening for so long, you know, mm -hmm. how genuine is that apology really? Mm -hmm. Or how genuine is it without liberation? Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot to think about, but I do see, uh, Tegan, what you're saying of like, um, you know, monetary value or um, solely an apology is not enough to it's not enough to repair or, or to, um, you know, heal all of all of the pain that has been caused. So mm -hmm. it's, um, it's like in some ways a bare minimum. But I I see how Fanon he was trying to look for more and how do we dismantle these systems? So how do we actually dismantle systematic racism and um, anti blackness? But um, that line is still hard for me to mm -hmm. like digest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I think something that I like so much about black skin white masks is that um, I think maybe like kind of something that like Dr. Drabinsky brings up a lot is that it's not necessarily about whether it's right or wrong. It's just important. Um, and I feel like. Um, I am constantly in this battle of trying to believe in and fight for like this like abolitionist future, but then doing things in the meantime because I know that like like 
we are all suffering right now and that like but like specifically like that like um that like black people specifically are suffering in an anti-black world and like what are we supposed to do about that right now in a sense and um but i feel like um there's there are so many voices that talk about well what do we do in the meantime that i do think it's important to have a voice that says i will not talk about the meantime i will only talk about well he talks about the meantime to acknowledge i don't think he ignores the current like state of affairs at the time that's like what most of the book is about is like the current state of being but i feel like there's something important um about having a voice that doesn't say um and so like here's what we can do in the meantime about it it's acknowledging that like the meantime will not undo all of these things that i've talked about um and i just think i just think it's really important to have a voice that is willing to say that um cuz i the the tangent that i kind of um referenced earlier is um something that i i talk about with my partner all the time and kind of thinking about like and i i talked last week cuz i have a tendency to think about like what i'm reading and like how does that um impact like in kind of like applying it to the like current uh socio-political context um so like i spend a lot of time like attending like protests in dc i court watch at like bond hearings i go to meetings with like community organizers and something that i consistently like struggle with is that even the most like radical leftist communist black feminists etc like local organizers um are still campaigning for things that ultimately have to be granted by a power holder and even the ones who say like like stop like stop voting they don't care about us are end up engaged in activism that requires a response from the power holders as i said like when i go to a protest i don't know how to make sense of chants along the lines of you know fuck the system fuck the us call your senator and ask him to please vote for how uh, senate bill 102.4-b like i understand why we're doing that but i feel so much cognitive dissonance when i do that but i'm also i'm not going to not do it but i just like always feel this internal conflict because like the community that i want cannot be achieved like through voting and policy and maintaining the united states and i'm well aware of this and i'm not supposed to give up on a future where we abolish all of these things but everything i do just legitimizes the system in some way but i also can't do nothing and i don't know what i'm supposed to do if i like really think about it other than like theorize and take up arms um but i guess that is kind of the answer that fanon um found for himself um the unspoken answer that everyone's afraid of and like alludes to without saying it out loud 
uh, is that we need to take up arms and engage in violent resistance. Um, but I also grapple with the reality that the U.S. has the military might to annihilate us all. And I don't know what to do with that. And I also don't know how that would shape Fanon's writing. I feel like he was thinking a lot about uh, whiteness in France and not necessarily the military industrial monopoly that is the United States. Um, and I, uh, yeah, sorry for that tangent, but I just think that like, this book is so important. I'm glad it exists. And then at the same time, I still don't know what to do. <laughs> even if I am like, even if I were to be like, Fanon is right. What do I do? <laughs> right. Yeah. He's right. And so what? So I can't. I get that. So hopefully I didn't destroy all conversation potential by just launching into that tangent. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, I, I want us to talk a little bit more about, um, in light of your tangent about what to do next, right? I want us to talk about the idea of Fanon's idea of moving on without history or without the mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. how how do we manage that right mm -hmm. so i'm thinking about my research in afrofuturism which sort of relies on the idea of going <clears throat> of moving forward with knowledge of the past mm -hmm. right so building building off of indigenous indigenous histories and building futures that combine the knowledge and of that and then the lived experience of the present to build futures. So my question is, how do we move on without the past? Mm -hmm. Because he said, um, what he said in the end about um, what would, it's on 205, he says, um, we are convinced that it would be of enormous interest to discover black literature or architecture from a third century before Christ, but we can absolutely not see how this fact would change the lives of eight-year-olds, eight-year-old kids working in the fields in Martinique and Guadeloupe. And this I found very, very difficult to 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 grapple with but also when we went to class and then we dealt with like a context in which the book was written where the colony still existed i get that but if i'm thinking about this in the present of what use would the discovery of ancient african or ancient indigenous architecture mean for an eight-year-old martinique boy who in this present is not on the plantation 
but watches TV. Mm-hmm. He's on TikTok. Mm-hmm. He sees um, different identities being played out. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And this takes me to why a film like Black Panther, although it's slightly problematic, was so important, right, for young kids to see because of the idea of going to the past and bringing all of those identities and ancient, not ancient, pre-colonial um, costumes or pre-colonial um, architecture even to light and what it did for, not just for kids, but even for adults in general, going mm-hmm. to the cinema dressed in Afrocentric clothes. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that if, Fanon is against this. How do we build an anti-Black world where people ignore these histories, these histories that have the power to empower them or to give them something to hold on to? I'm thinking about instead of ignoring it and, and saying that we should move on with our present. Why Why don't we just go back to that identity? Sort of like a glass half full. I would rather know of my past than not know of it at all or not acknowledge it at all, right? That's what I'm thinking about. What mm-hmm. do we make of this idea? Thinking of it in light of the young Martinique kids and what what they would do with knowing or having knowledge of the past. Oh, that's a big question. Mm. I feel like part of the difficulty and then maybe why we are just supposed to be engaged in these conversations at all is that, again, we struggle with even imagining total liberation. And I I tend to overthink things. And so I don't know if, like, if I were to, like, be able to like ask Fanon I don't know if he would just be like what what the hell are you talking about like why does that matter like if I were to express all these um like anxieties and whatnot but like I I do think um and I think Mary Catherine was kind of bringing this up where it's like so can we not have like math now (laughs) um or like is like how do you abolish everything how do you because i i think it's almost like the idea is like to have a new genesis um where like literally everything is raised to the ground Mm -hmm. and then you start over but i don't know how to do that and even if we were to like literally burn everything down i think someone mentioned like you know, the people left over have memories. I don't know how to like reset our memories either. Um, I don't know how to have a new genesis. Um, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, sorry. Um, that made me think of what Tawana said in class mm-hmm. of how do you, um, because she specifically works in, in archives and libraries. Um, but she was saying, um, you know, in my field, like we talk a lot about 
decolonizing archives, but how do you decolonize um, a mind that has gone through colonialism Mm -hmm. and then the mind of the colonizer? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I don't know if this sounds pessimistic, but I don't really... In my opinion, you can't create a whole new world mm-hmm. um, and it being perfect when these, like, you know, people are still going to have their biases and and um, there's still going to be these systematic issues, even though, um, okay, the infrastructure looks different. Or I know someone in class mentioned, like, thinking of this um like, what if we were all in Mars, for example, mm-hmm. and, like, started a whole new civilization? Um, I think without getting at the really, the core of the problem, mm-hmm. um, you know, how can you really, I don't know how that can dismantle anti-Blackness. Um, and then, I don't know if this is, like, related to what you were saying, Lisa, but um, when you were talking about... um you know, page 205 about um an afro afrofuturism but the fact that you need to know your past to build a future um when he says we would be overjoyed to learn from the existence of a correspondence between some black philosopher and plato but we cannot we can absolutely not see how this fact would change the lives of eight-year-olds working on the cane fields of martinique or guadalupe like you said um but what came to mind is that I was thinking more of like black um world making and um and place making where I also don't see how unless right, unless the system or the people in power want to change, the system is not going to change. But I I do still think that it would be nice to to see all this art or all this architecture and all of this um, black creativity that a lot of times is not, um, you know, it's a race and mm-hmm. and I I don't know it's it's kind of hard to tackle because we're still you know we're still living in this world so mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's a question if we're still living in in that world and system how how can we really answer it but we should work two ways to dismantle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. But also, it's like, how do we dismantle it when people have lost their identity? Mm. That's the that's the big question for me. How do we, even if we dismantle it, how do we give people the identity back without giving them these histories? That's a big question for me. What do you think? wow um thank you for bringing that up because i think um yeah that ties into like the ending of what he said about history that was one of my main um my main concerns because without knowing your history um i feel like without knowing my history i don't know what my family went through and what their struggles were Mm -hmm. um and I feel like without that, I wouldn't really have a purpose. 
um, because I know that there are so many opportunities available to me that weren't to um, my predecessors. And um, without history, it's, you know, how do you have community? How do you have um, a sense of purpose without your history? Mm. And, oh, before I forget, um, um, erasing history is also, it's a tactic by colonizers mm. so that people who are colonized um, don't know. Um, I think Fanon talks briefly about it, um, but essentially you don't know um, you start to believe what the colonizer says about you, mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a way to, um, to like, rebuke that or, or not believe what the colonizer is telling you is, is through that history and that family mm -hmm. oral history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I find it so problematic that he doesn't want to go back there. That's my big issue. One of my big issues. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think Dr. Dravinsky said this, that it's kind of like that to give Fanon, like, sorry, I'm still kind of gathering my thoughts on this, um, that like, I I don't think Fanon is ahistorical. Um, I think that he is able to reach the conclusions that he has through a deep understanding of um, his history and, um, you know, the history of colonial structures. I, I think it's, and this can still be like an unsatisfying answer and like still have all the same issues. Um, but I think that like, it's that like in coming to know all of it, he has reached the conclusion that there is no, not that we need to like pretend that that history didn't happen, but that we will not find the answer to our future in the past um at the same time like i i i understand that like that just starts to feel so abstract um and i feel like a sense of our history is having a sense of history and maintaining it and like actually i i don't think that like making sure people are aware of history is in conflict with like what Fanon ultimately says. Um, and I do have just kind of like this thought though, um, like when I think again about like this move towards um, like total abolition and like a new Genesis, like I, Again, I feel like this is the kind of thing where it's like, what are you even talking about? Like, that doesn't matter. But I can't help but be like, so like, if the people who are currently like in the Caribbean, if they if they can't speak Creole, they can't speak French, and they can't go back to an African language, like then what? Then what do they do? Mm -hmm. And um, 
And I mean, maybe that's like what we're supposed to, uh, you know, brainstorm. But I like I just think like, well, then like what. In the new Genesis, like. Do we have language? What is our language? And I think and I, I guess it can also kind of tie to like that concept we were discussing in class that um, nobody actually wants to be that free. Um, and I think some people might find that to be unfair to see that um, our freedom can only be linked to like a total, to total abolition. Um, but that I feel that that's like the Fanonian perspective. Um, but I, I think about that. Like I think about um, like when people say, Like, I like to think of myself as striving for total abolition, but then I'm like, I think about um, how recently I've been reading about, like, Celtic culture, and I've been really interested in ancient Irish culture, and also how um, a lot of Ireland's culture was, um, there was, like, an attempted erasure when it was colonized by the British Empire, and... So I've been learning more about it. I've been learning Irish because I've been invested in this idea of, um, you know, bringing back a culture that was, um, that, like I said, that was almost lost through like colonial erasure. But in total abolition, I think, I think Celtic culture doesn't matter anymore. I don't think any of the cultures matter anymore. And then if I think too much about that, that does scare me. That does freak me out. And then I realize, oh God, I guess I don't want to be that free. I I am still attached to um, this idea of how I think about the world as having these like different beautiful cultures. And um, I think I'm like, I think I'm supposed to let go of that. And if I think too much about it, I don't want to anymore. Kind of like um, what was said about how we don't want to let go of our books. Um, and and then I could be criticized for romanticizing the idea of different cultures. But I, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult question. It's a difficult thing to think about. Yeah, so... I mean, is there anything else? Um, I think that uh, we kind of brought up a lot and I think we really definitely have kind of left ourselves with a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, thank you both for like um, engaging with me on this, for letting me go through all of the existential crises that I have about this topic over and over. Um, and thank you to any of our listeners for joining us today.